Welcome to the Preach and Persuade podcast. My name is Sam Parada. I'm here with Dan Rudman. We are in a series on manhood and womanhood. And if you've been listening to this series, uh, we are we're quite a few episodes into it. Man, I don't even I don't even really know how many episodes six, seven, eight. I don't know something like that. So we're <laughs> we put a lot of hours into this, and and it's good that we have put a lot of hours into this because if you uh, look out into your uh, society today and into culture, you see that uh, our society, our Western society, is very very confused on this topic of manhood and womanhood. Um, so much so that today it's it's just considered common knowledge that a, a man can become a woman or a woman can become a man or that a woman could be trapped in a man's body or a man could be tra- trapped in a woman's body. And it's just common knowledge that, that there is no distinction between men and women. Uh, women can do men's jobs just as best just as good as they can women can be leaders just as good as men men can do a woman's job just as good as a woman and you can just there's just this complete fluidity between the roles of men and women there's no distinctions so that's why we've been putting a lot of time into this topic of manhood and womanhood because here's the deal god's the one that created humanity as male and female male and female man and woman is god's idea and god's design and and therefore we have to look to the creator the designer the maker on on what he says about us if 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 we are his if we are god's completely and he formed us um from nothing and he formed man from the dust of the earth and woman from the rib of man then we we better listen to what he says about us and how we should live and and how he designed us so he he's given us a word. He's given us the Bible. He's revealed truth to us in Scripture, and Scripture speaks towards and speaks to the roles of men and women and how God has made us. And so that's what we've really been looking at. We we started in Genesis. Uh, we looked at that design before sin even entered the world. How did God design us? Uh, and then we did a survey of the Old Testament and saw that hey, this 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 design in creation has been been carried through the Old Testament. This pattern of manhood and womanhood has been carried through the Old Testament. And then we looked at Jesus in the Gospels, and we saw, hey, look, the the incarnate God of the universe, God in the flesh, also uh, affirmed this pattern of, of, of the original design in Genesis 1 through 3. And then we looked through Acts with the early church, saw, oh, look, this pattern has continued to be affirmed and upheld. And then we have now been working through the New Testament epistles where we look at passages that are explicitly speaking towards the roles of men and women in the church and in the family. And so we've looked at 1 Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 14, Ephesians 5, Colossians 3. We briefly looked at Galatians 3.28 as one of those passages that has been used as an argument against this this clear pattern throughout Scripture. Um. And then we went to the pastoral epistles. We looked at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. And specifically, we looked at, uh, just in this last episode, this, this, you could say, this prohibition on a role of a woman in the church. And the, the key text is verse 11, Let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach her to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. And then the justification is back to creation, for Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but a woman was deceived and became a transgressor. So we looked at that last episode. We spent a lot of time on that, actually, because there's a lot of there's a lot of interesting things that Paul says there 
that we fleshed out as best that we could. And I think we spent almost two hours just on that text alone. And we gave some introduction to the book of First Timothy um, and to the pastoral epistles. But if you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to that one. Um, one, just because it's a very explicit passage. It's it, Paul just lays it out very clearly. Um, and there's just a lot of contention with that passage too. So go back, listen to that if you haven't, because what we're going to do now and we're, we're moving into today is we're going to continue through the pastoral epistles. Um, and we're just going to start right back up where we left off. We left off at the very end of, of chapter two of first Timothy. And now we're going to pick up right at the very beginning of chapter three. And then eventually, uh, we're going to get to Chapter five of First Timothy, talking about some the roles of widows and, and which which widows are are eligible to receive financial support from the church, and then we're going to get to Titus, which is another pastoral epistle, very very much like First Timothy, but instead of instead of writing to Timothy who is pastoring uh, the the Ephesian church, he's writing to Titus who is pastoring the church in Crete. So, if you remember, hopefully you've listened to the last episode, we we ended um, with this this prohibition. Okay, in the local church, the the it's the it's the the job of of the overseer or the elders or, or the men in the church to teach the doctrine and to have the authority within the local congregation. And Paul is saying that because of of the way God has designed man and woman, you know, Adam was formed first and Eve. Uh, women are to be submissive in the local congregation. They are to learn quietly. There's to be order in the local assembly. And so he's saying, I do not permit a woman to speak or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. And, and so now we're, we're, we're transitioning within the same context, though. You know, we ended with this, this, this talking of or this discussion on the this, this sphere that women are to operate in. And when women operate in the sphere, and that's verse 15, yet she will be saved through childbearing, uh, the Really, a woman's sphere is best expressed by this term childbearing. And, and that, that word isn't to be taken like completely explicitly on just like giving birth to a child, but everything that encompasses rearing, nurturing, taking care of, uh, teaching uh, children and, and being a homemaker and being a wife and being a mother and all these things that encompass that, she has this sphere. And when she operates in this sphere, it produces flourishing. She flourishes as a woman. And not only does she flourish, but she's sanctified. She becomes holy. She's being saved. And we talked about how that is, is, is sanctification. She's becoming holy. Uh, she's, she's being conformed to the image of Christ when she operates in this sphere. And when she operates in the sphere of man by having authority within the local church, it provides the opportunity for deception and temptation. And the local church and even the family, when the woman takes the role of a man, it will lead the local church and it will lead the family into deception and ruin. And so when men operate as men and when women operate as women, it, it, it provides the, the fertile ground for human flourishing. And it provides a fertile ground for God to be glorified and and for people to become holy and obedient and be sanctified. And so that that's the sphere of a woman. This 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 we it's called childbearing, but there's so much more encompassed into it. 
And now we're going to look at the sphere of, of man, you could say. Paul transitions. Chapter 3, verse 1, he says, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. So I'm just going to continue to read this section here. Uh, starting in verse 2 now, Therefore an overseer must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, um, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsider so that he may not fall into disgrace into a snare of the devil so we know that paul has prohibited women from leading the church and the primary way somebody leads the church is by teaching doctrine that's the primary exercising of authority in the local congregation is by teaching doctrine so he's already prohibited women from that role, and now he's saying, okay, now the men who do do this role, because it's a, it's a man's role, here is that type of man. Here's the type of man that this, this needs to be. It can't just be any man in the congregation, actually. It actually has to be an exceptional man. And here is the, the, the qualifications for this man, and that's what I just read. Here's the qualifications. Um, Dan, do you have anything to add on that before we really dive into it? The, I guess all that has been as introduction. I read the passage. Yeah. Now we're going to discuss it a little bit and discuss this role of man as, as, a, as a leader of the church and also as a leader of the family. Yeah. But do you have any introductory remarks or anything, any thoughts on your well, mind? Well, <laughs> yeah, I, did, I had a few introductory remarks. Um, maybe I should have said them earlier, but let me just step like two steps back real quick, mm-hmm. or, or one step back, however you want to think about it. First of all, um, I'm just affirming what you said earlier, like God gives us this pattern for a purpose. And there's this idea out there that you run into. I've had these discussions with people that they think there's this progress occurring. Like we're getting better at something. Maybe whether it's, you know, women women are working and women, whatever the idea is, there's... I've even been told, you know, we're getting better at this. We're progressing at this. Meaning a cultural yeah, yeah. idea of, of uh, egalitarian or whatever. Yeah, whatever the thing. equity. Yeah, some kind word. of equity or something's happening that people are talking about progress. But as soon as you use the word progress, you got to go progress towards what? I find that interesting. Mm. Like, what's the telos is the fancy yeah. word. Like, what's the what's end? What's the goal? What's the goal and what's the end fulfillment? And... Um, so before somebody tells me that this is progress, I want to say, okay, well, where are you trying to go? What are you trying to accomplish? And I think that's interesting uh, in light of because what we've been saying is that the goal of consummation is uh, a restoration of before the fall. Hmm. You know, and so we, we have in our mind uh, the progress is consummation it's a new heaven it's a new earth it's it's a return to the pre-fall garden you know and that's the picture that we have in the scripture over and over and over yep you know we keep emphasizing this so that's that's something that's interesting to me and then as you said we have this mess i was this is where this all came up is in your introduction you're talking about all this meth and all this confusion it's like isn't that interesting like we have all this mess and confusion at the same time there's this echoing voice out there that keeps echoing that we're progressing 
Like somehow we have progressed. <laughs> and it's like, well, no, yeah. what you think is progression is not progression. Look, we, we, right. we're totally confused. We got young girls taking testosterone to grow whiskers. Yeah. And they're destroying themselves. Even, you know, somebody that's not, not a Christian, not that that's even necessary, writes the research, Irreversible Damage, and shows yep. that these women are being destroyed. And so right. anytime you go outside of God's uh, uh, truth, his reality, his pattern, his plan, there's going to be some kind of ramifications, consequences for it. And so I yeah. find it fascinating that everybody's talking, well, everybody, you know what I mean. There's this yep. echoing voice out there of progress. We're progressing. And I'm going to go, uh, look what this progress is getting us. It's a mess. Mm -hmm. uh, right. so, so obviously I'm being you know, what's the, whatever the word would be facetious. Um, I don't think it's progress. Right. Well, right. You, you'll, you'll, you'll see at least in the, what's deemed the Christian world, uh, you'll see a woman in the pulpit preaching and, and, and acting as go. the pastor of this local church. And, and you'll hear the liberals say, look, that's progress. Yeah. That's what I'm getting there. there. I was trying to yep. think of a good example. That's my point. And I want to go, well, right. no, Progress towards what? And who says that's right. progress? See, progress towards rebellion and sin and yeah, whatever. consequence and, and so temptation. I, and, and, then, and at the end of the day, there'll be, <laughs> there'll be consequences for this. And you may not see it on the front end, meaning right away. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a fall. So anyway, yeah, that's, that, I wanted to just say that when you're talking about all the confusion, I wanted to step back and say, yeah, think of everything that's going on. And yet, at the same time, the, the voice out there is that we've progressed. And I want to go, no, we haven't. It's, it, this is creating more and more chaos. Then I want yep. to step back from there and just say, um, you know, why is this such an issue for us? Like you and I would sit here and say, um, because I know you, Sam, like, you know, in my primary life calling, I would say, biblically speaking, I'm this uh, evangelist. I want the gospel to go to the world. That's mm -hmm. what I've always been about. So I do apologetic stuff. I talk to the church about prayer and revival and awakening. Why? Because whenever God's people are vibrant, walking with him, they are the salt and light to the world. And so mm -hmm. we will get more to this when we get to application. But anytime we step into what God is doing and we, and we step into God's, again, when I say his truth, God is truth. He is reality. He created a world that expresses his reality. And whenever we step into that and either speak it or actually live it, it's, it's what we were created for. So another way to say that is when God is glorified, God's glorified when his truth is proclaimed and lived out. Okay, but when God is glorified, we do well, as I've heard it said. Mm -hmm. It's like we flourish anytime because we're in concert with what we were created for. Okay, yep. so why why are we as a couple evangelist guys talking for six, seven, eight weeks, fifteen hours or whatever on the, right. on this issue? Well, it's because when God's people step into what God calls us to be, not only do we flourish and we glorify God, but we're the salt and light of the world. Like, like we put on display the way it's supposed to look. Yep. And so the grievous part that we struggle with in this discussion is that we're watching even the church here in the West adopt these secular, confusing, wrong ideas. Hmm. As if like this, like it's progress. I mean, I've heard it. I hear Christians say, well, we're and like, but that's not, what makes you think that's progress? <laughs> yeah, like towards what? Like... 
because the <laughs> the yeah, I mean the end product of some of this is crazy. You know what the real end project uh, product? It's not even egalitarianism. It's it's it, androgyny. It's no sex. It's nothing. We're all one. We're all the same. Yeah. It's it's. There's nothing. There's no. There's no. It's really bizarre, it's, and, and and I find it interesting when we talked about this a few weeks back on counterfeits. You know, we I, that's you know, uh, we've talked about this, but like that's what Buddhism. Buddhism is to get everybody to be one. Basically, is nothing. There's nothing. Yep. Yep. You're, exactly. It's to lose your mind. It's to lose your personality. It's to lose yeah, your. What's Nirvana? It's yep. it's to lose the uniqueness of you, right? And become one with this one. And you right. lo- you lose everything, and it actually affects a person's right. personality that they lose their uniqueness. They you they yeah. lo- It's really weird. Well, this is sort of the same thing, and I'm probably lending myself is what I'm saying. Is what's your goal? Have you really thought through the goal that you're calling progress? The goal yeah. is something contrary to what God designed. Right. So I suppose it's progress towards that goal. <laughs> yeah, goal towards destruction. Honestly, yeah, yeah, you have yeah. to say it as it is. Destruction. Yeah. So. That's enough. Like I said, I probably should have said that a little bit earlier in your introduction. We probably need to get back to the text. But what we're doing with this text again, we're back in Timothy. We already dealt with woman. Now we're dealing with what Paul is telling Timothy, particularly to this group of Christians in Ephesus. Okay, yep. men, men, this is your role now, right? So Right. Did yep. I, was there's, that... there's this heresy going around. There's all this disorder. There's all this false teaching. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Part of that is uh, this overrealized eschatology. You have you have uh, yeah a tearing down of of God's good design for how human beings are to operate in this in this created world. So they're operating as though the new heavens and the new earth is co- new earth have come. So hey, no more marriage, no more distinction between men and women. Yeah. Uh, blah 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 blah. You know the physical is bad. All this stuff. Um, and now Paul's instructing Timothy on how to bring order and how to bring um, just a, a biblical, you know, bring this church back to a, a biblical grounding and a biblical operation. And part of it is first, hey, women shouldn't be uh, speaking in the church um, when it comes to teaching of doctrine, and and there should be submissiveness. Uh, there should be order in this way. Um, women should operate in their sphere in their sphere of of, of being mothers and, and and raising children and and respecting their husbands and respecting the elders in the church and and the leadership of the church needs to be restored back to what it was meant to be, which is qualified men and not just any man, not these false teachers who are playing them. Obviously not. Timothy's already been charged in chapter one to silence those people. Put silence them. Charge him not to teach anything contrary to sound doctrine. And so you have this church, and in, in, it's just chaotic, and they're being deceived. Mm-hmm. And what they need to go back to is a, a biblical pattern of how men are to operate, how women are to operate, mm-hmm. and back to God's uh, revealed word, doctrine, true doctrine. So... There we go. But, you know, in the in the local church, in the local church, it is the it is the role of of the elder or the overseer or the pastor or the shepherd. All these words, all these words that you might hear like today, we 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 it's often said as pastor, like the pastor of the church is blah, 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 blah. 
or this person is the you know the pastor of 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 worship arts, or this person is the executive pastor, this person is the lead pastor, this person is the teaching pastor, 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 and it's a little bit um, confusing um, because we just call everybody pastor now, but pastor it really is from the the same Greek word as what we would get elder or overseer. Um, we also get pastor or shepherd. All these are, are very much the same role. You are to, in, in the best sense of the word, is really shepherd. You are shepherding the flock of God. You're shepherding his people in this local assembly. And part of the main role of, of the shepherd is to, is to uh, protect the sheep, provide for the sheep, um, lead the sheep, um, and and feed the sheep and what does what does Jesus tell Peter at the very end in the very end of John uh, as they're sitting on the beach eating some fish he says Peter do you do you love me yes Lord you know that I love you feed my sheep feed my lambs and what is Peter to feed the lambs feed the sheep the good word of God uh, he's to feed them the revealed word of God he's to feed them the scriptures and and to shepherd them according to God's will. So that now, that role that the apostles were given is now is now carried on by the these elders, these qualified men. And it's not as though they, this isn't apostolic succession. This isn't Roman Catholicism. This isn't that these now, these new elders like Timothy are somehow have this apostolic authority that Peter or Paul had um, and that they can write and speak God-inspired, God-infallible, inerrant words. But no, they have been given this 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 treasure, you could say, of of revealed word of of scripture, written and communicated by the apostles, and then also the Old Testament scriptures. And now they they've been given this word, this revealed will, in these letters. So First Timothy is one of these letters. You know, all the New Testament epistles, the Gospels, Acts. You have the Old Testament scriptures. You have this treasure trove of, of, of God inspired scripture and now the role of the of the of the elder or the pastor or the shepherd or the overseer, you know, again all kind of all those words speaking of the same person, same office, they are now to shepherd the flock according to this word. And so they've been given the word, now they're to teach it, now they are to um, help the, the flock understand it and apply it to their lives. And they are to protect the flock against any false teacher who would come to to say something otherwise or say something contrary to this revealed word. So, all that to say, the scriptures are very clear. This is very, very, very clear. This role, this shepherd, pastor, pastor, teacher, overseer, elder, this is a man's role. And not just any man, but a qualified man. And I keep saying that. And here's the qualifications. And and think back to before we walk through them again, think back again to um, to the nation of Israel. Think back to the, the 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 monarchy, and think back to what the role of the king was to be. Deuteronomy is it De- Deuteronomy seventeen? I'm pretty sure. And Moses says to the people, "And if you desire to put a king over you, here's what he should do. Here's who he should be. He should be a man that God chose." And he should be a man, and when, when God chooses this man, he will, again, a man, he should go into the temple of God, r- copy himself, make himself a copy of the law of God, and then meditate on it day and night. 
every day of his life. He needs to be a man of the word. A man who knows the word. So again, very similar pattern to what we have today in our churches. These leaders, these elders, these people over our church that are that are our authorities and are helping us and, and, and leading us, they are to be men of the word. Men who know the word. Men who know sound doctrine. Men who, who love the word of God and are very, very, very much um, um, or have a great understanding of it. So, Again, this pattern, it's just very consistent, <laughs> very consistent. So if anyone aspires to, again, verse 1 again, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, so again, pastor, elder, teacher, shepherd of the church, he desires a noble task. It's, it's noble to be an elder, to aspire to be an elder of a church. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. So... You want to give some commentary on that, Dan? What, is it, what does it mean to be above, repro- above reproach? Well, that he has integrity, his clarity. He's above reproach in the sense that, because uh, in one sense, nobody's, you know, beyond questioning. But the question is, is his integrity is so intact that, there's, that he doesn't live in pretense. There's a, uh, a transparency to his life, and he's mm-hmm. consistent. He's consistent in his life. So mm-hmm. who he is behind a closed door is the same guy he is out in public. Right. So there's a, exactly. a, a transparency. It, it's, it's about what you are and what you say when no one's looking. Yeah. Is what I would say. Yep. Does that, does that I hit, think that's great. Does that hit, hit what yeah. you're thinking? Okay. Yeah. Right. You know, this, this idea too that the leader of the, the churches of the church of God, they're going to be attacked. They're going to have many enemies. There's going to be people that are going to specifically target them to destroy them. And so, in a sense, you got to give, you got to be a man who, hey, when, when the enemy comes against you and starts throwing all these flaming darts at you, mm-hmm. you're above reproach. None of, none of them are really going to land. Mm-hmm. And, and you're not going to be worried at what somebody's going to say because your private life is consistent with your public life. Nobody's going to come up and, and say, hey, look at what we, the secret dirt that we uncovered on so-and-so. It's like, no, I'm above reproach. Nothing can actually be said against me. I'm transparent. I'm open. I have integrity. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the faults of my life, the sin of my life is, is, is you know, it's open in a sense. And th- yeah. he's, a, he's a man of, of godliness. Yeah. And then the next one, husband of one wife. <laughs> now, this has been... This has been very much here. We obviously have right off the bat. Okay, you'll say, okay, well, why can't a woman be uh, an elder and overseer? Well, one, Paul already prohibited it in in the passage before, but now we see clearly when he's talking about this this position of overseer, he he clearly says the husband of one wife, the a man, a man, not a woman. It's not a wife of of one husband. It's a husband of one wife. This is a man's role. Explicitly says it. Yeah. But there's been a lot of debate over what this actually means because where you can get, you can get into some weeds here is like, does this mean that he he um, has to has to be married? Does this disqualify a single man? Yeah. Uh, does this mean that um, he can never have been divorced? Um, does this mean that he can't be polygamous? Does this mean you know all these things? 
Um, and we can kind of start to weigh through them a little bit. Husband of one wife. Well, let's let's look at the the first one that I said. Does this mean that he has to be a married man? He can't be single. And it obviously isn't meaning that because Paul himself is a single man and Paul himself operated as a leader and as an authority in all of these churches that he planted. Indeed, he was an apostle of Jesus Christ and he was single. He was never married. And so... He, what he, if that's what this meant, he would, say, he would be saying, I, Paul, am disqualified to, to fill this role. <laughs> so it, it doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that. Now, doesn't mean that he can't be a divorced man. Is a divorced man disqualified from this role? Let's say he was, you know, he got married um, young and, and, and there was maybe his... his he, you know, you hear this often in today's society. You might have uh, a young couple get married. They're both non-believers, and then uh, in their married relationship, the let's just say the husband comes to know the Lord and, and is saved, and the wife stays as a non-believer, and then she can't handle his uh, his Christianity, so she decides to leave him, and so she divorces him. Now, does that mean, let's say now 10, 15 years down the road, um, he uh, he grows in the faith. He's he's no longer a new convert. He's strong. He's a he's a he get. Let's say he goes and gets seminary education. He feels a call into ministry. He gets remarried to a Christian woman, and he's now equally yoked. Does that mean that he's disqualified from being an elder because he uh, he was divorced from his first wife because she left him because she was a non-believer? Now that's a that's a good question. Some would say that he is disqualified. Some would say that some would interpret this husband of one wife to mean that. I don't necessarily go that far, but I, I'm saying, I probably would say that you can't. I don't know if you can actually say that that's not what it's saying. I don't think that's what it's saying. What do you? What would? What would be your commentary on that, Dan? <laughs> <laughs> again. <laughs> Now we're in the realm of speculation. Yeah, again. Th- throw me, throw me the curveball, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, well, okay. So you have the gray hair. Yeah, yeah thanks. Right. <laughs> if anything, you get with gray hair is you find out how much you don't know. <laughs> when I was your age, I knew it all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no reflection on you, Sam. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, Let's just laugh. No, seriously. Um, I think the problem is that we would have to have, in even in this podcast, that you'd have to get into another whole discussion about marriage and divorce and the yeah, variety of yeah. views, and there's a variety of views, and I appreciate the fact that you're saying there really are a variety of views here. But I think in the context, the more important thing to understand and kind of the best place to camp is that this, sure. is, this is giving a, a list of, of qualities, characteristics about a person yeah, and we'll get into that when we get into the discussion of widows too. We talked about that before, right? Like, yep. there's a specific line that this may or may not mean. Meaning, like, like you said, is it maybe the divorce happened after he was a Christian? Is that still fair? And was that a legitimate divorce and not a? Le- yeah. But now you're into the weeds of discussing divorce and remarriage, which has right. which has some, a variety of views. Yep. Uh, you know, I mean, there's some that you totally dismiss as as views wrong. Like polygamy yep. is polygamy is obviously out. 
boop, you can't. Right, that's obviously how And I know we run into that in other cultures, and I know that, so those in another culture listening, but seriously, that's just very clear. Uh, You know, uh, it's it's one man, one woman, becomes one flesh. Uh, But I think the point of, of taking that one statement in this context is not to have the whole discussion about marriage and remarriage. It's more talking about the qualifications of a man who is an overseer, and as an overseer, um, there's these things about his character. And a key part of his character is that, yes, he's, he, he doesn't have multiple wives. He doesn't have a bunch of girlfriends that he's lived in unfaithful with in the sense of sexually or anything like that. He, he is a right. man, one wife. He's a family man. He's devoted to the wife. He's devoted to his family. It's very clear. Everybody can see this. Yeah. So it's talking about that characteristic. Uh, could it be a single man? Well, like you said, you've already given the optimum point. We have, you know, we have Paul that looks like he was single from what we can tell everything. And so does that disqualify him? Certainly not. So right there, we're saying this isn't a checklist per se, as much as it's a list of the character of a person. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's faithful. He's in a biblical marriage. He's in a biblical relationship. He's carrying out his family. Well, as you read here, it moves down and talks about, he manages his house. Well, you know, he cares for his family. Well, you can see this in his character. And so I, to me, to me for right now, I mean, you can go where you want with the podcast, but you know, I'm, I think it's talking about a characteristic of a man being a godly man. Yep. Yep. And, and it's, and it's, it's somewhat, yeah, it's a little bit of a tangent. Like you said, this is in the realm of divorce, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, what obviously our podcast today and in, in the series about the role of man and woman, and obviously the role of overseer or elder is a man's role. <laughs> right. So it's a man's role. Yeah, so this and, is and, a finer and he, detail within that. Yeah. And then, and then with this system as, as a husband of one wife, that role that he's playing, he's to be faithful and have character there. And yep. Faithful, and that's what it seems. Faithfulness. And again, you could get into, it's not even on, on good. Uh, what do you say? Weeds. They're not bad. It, it, that is a discussion that has to happen. Within a yeah. community of believers, marriage, remarriage, divorce—that whole discussion right. needs to needs to unfold. But right. this specifically is saying, "Hey, this man that you're looking for overseer, you should be able to look at his life, and um, he's faithful to his wife, he's faithful to his kids, he cares for his family, he's got good character there." That's part of the above reproach issue. Is, right. is like what he is right. behind closed doors is is the guy that you see publicly. He's not at home be- right. beating his wife and kids behind closed doors. Yep. 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 Exactly. So. So. Yep. So. So. Reminded. Obviously, part of that is you know, verse three, not a drunkard. Uh, he he can think clearly. He's rational. He's 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 aware. He's 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 not uh, letting himself get influenced by by whether that's actual alcohol, not a drunkard, or or he, you know, one thing that John Piper has said is. It's not explicitly stated, but it's implied in these these you could say these characteristics of this godly man who's going to be the elder is he has an emotional backbone. He's not easily distressed, and he doesn't let his emotions get to him, which means makes him, make him um, irrational or or make stupid decisions. Well, Sam, you would put you would put that characteristic in a word study of temperate and prudent. Mm-hmm. He's, he's temperate. Okay, mm. he's he, he's 
another word there that I just did a study with some men this morning on is sober-minded, which is the idea of sedate. It's in First Peter 4. Sedate means yep. like, 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 okay, he can relax. It doesn't mean he couldn't be an excitable personality or something. But the point is, right. is the pressure's on and he's not just freaking out. Right, exactly. Sedate. He kind of calms down. Right. Okay, get my breath. Let me step back. Let me assess the situation. Right. Uh, uh, it's the idea of being vigilant or, or circumspect perspective. You mm. you can step back and say, okay, let me look at the situation. Let me hear all the views. Let me be temperate about this. Right. He's yep. not rash. That would be a way right. of saying it. Um, another then then prudent. He thinks things through. Wisdom. You know what's the best way yep. to approach this? What's you know, the variety of views I need to look at. He's respectable. Yep. People can respect yep. him. Hospitable. He's, he's giving, he's caring, he's kind to people who have need. But, uh, and you got to verse three, and I know that, but I, the reason I, I kind of took two steps back is to, to fill in what you just said, but further, uh, able to teach. That is in yeah, verse two. Yeah, that's a big one right there. That is in verse two. An overseer has to be able to teach. Yep, Which means, that's a big one. That's a, an essential one. Yeah, so so and that gets back to the whole issue of what we've been talking about when we say uh, speaking in the church, doctrine, assessing prophecy, the role yep. the role of men in that that that's the role of men. That is the role of men yeah. in, in the church in the in an organized you know the community setting of church. That that's the goal, and so right. able to teach. Okay, so yeah, so that ties earlier when we read uh, in the prior podcast about. Um, about about women and it, it talked about this idea of uh, teaching and authority yep I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority verse 12 and in one sense they're two different things but they're not they're very much related uh, the one yeah. the one who's been given this authority by God the role like we've been talking about is it is, is supposed to be able to teach yep and obviously teach what well truth wisdom doctrine yep you know the truths of yep. God. Right. Okay. So I didn't. I didn't mean right. to go too fast. But, right. But, it's not. It's not meaning. You know. Oh well. This guy. He can. He can teach you how to make a table out of wood. No. It's right, not right. teaching that. Right. It's not teaching a trade or a skill. It's teaching doctrine. Yeah. Right. Specifically, it the is. word of God, the will yeah. of God. So again, to what you said, Piper. I, I. I didn't hear all the commentary of Piper. But yeah, you would. If you did a word study, and again, we're kind of skipping over some of this. Not skipping, but not going deep into the we. Not we even weeds, but a deep study. And you were to study, yeah. uh, do a word study of each of these characteristics. You would. You would be able right. to pull out of there what what Piper's talking about. Yep. Yeah. You know, this is a yep. strong. This is a strong character human being a man right specifically strong like like can take weight on his shoulders and not break this is a strong man it is yes okay so yeah not (laughs) and as you said not (laughs) not addicted to wine pugnacious right but even then see that even that in our culture where this is so backwards and, and and confusing look what it says okay so yeah it just says uh not addicted to wine pugnacious but gentle peaceable free free from the love of money so even think of gentle and peaceable to be a strong man doesn't mean that you aren't gentle (laughs) right and and actually it means you are gentle yeah what what, what's what's the obviously the the perfect example that is our lord jesus christ right like yeah like i mean the guy was a stud if you really think (laughs) about what he was able to accomplish and do even physically in all fairness the guy was a stud at, oh my goodness! At the same time, children wanted to crawl all over him because yep. he was so gentle, and there must have been a look in his eye that these kids just couldn't get enough of it, you know. And yep. And so that's the spirit-filled life, though, really. 
Right. You know, right. That's really what we're talking about here. So. Right. Okay. And what we're not talking about, <laughs> again, th- this word has been thrown, or this this title has been thrown around, beta male. Um, you hear it in, <laughs> in, in today. Oh, we got a bunch of beta males leading our churches, and really what that means is an over feminized man. <laughs> a man, a, a man ba- who's—it's a beta male. I, I guess I have yeah. heard that. I don't pay attention to that stuff. Okay, yeah. A man who is acting like a woman in many ways, and I know that sounds bad. Like there's a sounds. Oh well, what's so wrong with feminine qualities? Well, they're they're wonderful when they're embodied by women. <laughs> but when a man starts to embody a feminine, when feminine qualities, you start to get into some issues because. God made women to be feminine and he made men to be masculine. There's a difference there. Yeah. And so when women start to act masculine and how a woman would be acting masculine in the church would be by exercising authority over men, that would be acting masculine. That's not good. Likewise, when, when men act feminine, Mm -hmm. that's not good. So this, this gentleness and this not violent and this not quarrelsome, um, is, is not feminine. It's it's very much masculine. That's not to mean that's not to say that that women aren't gentle. Women are gentle as well and, and not quarrelsome. And, you know, and shouldn't be violent either. But there's this reality of uh, a strong man uh, doesn't mean that he's. It's not contradictory with with gentleness, as you said, Dan. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knows where he's going. He's no. He knows where he's leading. You can think of it as like a gentle wind. You have a sail and a boat, and the gentle wind fills the sail and moves the boat in the in the right direction, in the right trajectory, at a right and a good pace. Mm-hmm. As soon as you get hurricane force winds, they might be blowing in the right direction, but as soon as you get a hurricane force wind that's not gentle, it's going to tear the whole mast off. It's going to sink the boat. So this gentleness is he. This this man knows his strength, and you can think of like. The man knows how strong he is, and he knows that if he was to, let's just say physically, like if he was to take his fist and he was to punch a woman as hard as he could, he would, he could maybe even kill that woman. That's horrible. Or think of a kid, like disciplining a kid. Like if he was to take all of his strength and, and hit that kid as hard as he could, he could kill that kid. But he still needs to discipline the kid. And he might discipline the kid with his hand or with some force, physical force. But he knows his strength and he disciplines the kid gently. And I know that's an interesting picture to think about it. But there's this reality that gentleness requires an understanding of strength. And we could get into some all these really incredible studies. If you look at some psycho- psychological studies, the the little boys who don't grow up with a, with a, with a father that uh play you know plays and wrestles with them and we call it rough and tumble play say a four-year-old boy they love to wrestle they love to fight they love to mm-hmm. to to you know to to mess around like that and they love to figure out how strong they are and and they love to wrestle with dad and what that does psychologically and behaviorally is the little boy learns his strength he learns what he should and should not do he learns what is out of bounds. Yeah. How, little boy was how far he can push. Him. How far he can push. Exactly. Yeah. And so when he punches dad in the face as hard as he can, yeah, it might sting dad, but it doesn't actually, it's not actually, it's not dire. Dad's not going to get knocked out. He's not going to really get hurt. It might sting. But 
if he now hits puberty, now he's a 14-year-old boy, 15-year-old boy, and he's hit puberty, and he's starting to become a man, and now he punches somebody as hard as he can in the face, now you might actually have some serious repercussions. That person might actually really get hurt. And if he didn't learn that when he was young with dad that, hey, you can't punch somebody in the face like that unless somebody's, like, going to take your life or attacking somebody or hurting women and children, like, that whole picture of, this man's strong. He can protect. He can, you know, he can, you know, hurt somebody if he if he starts to unleash the beast that's inside of him. But he knows that there's this beast inside of him, and he and he and he and he's gentle when he needs to be gentle. And then when the intruder comes in the home to rape and pillage, he can unleash the beast and he can do some damage when he needs to do damage. <laughs> it's a, it's an incredible thing. Like well, and you're getting the application, but you know, I was thinking- I know. No, which is look yeah. at me. I, look well, at I'm going off on this thing. <laughs> well, no, it's just it's understanding. Okay, so coming to our point here, because I do, I have a, a little story to tell you about that. But yeah, again, this thing gets so confused, it doesn't it? Like, yeah. No, there's something about that strength. There's something about that power, and he had a gentleness. I remember an interview with a. Uh, I mean, this people probably don't even know these names anymore, but it was Barbara Walters with Norman Schwarzkopf. The great general uh, that went that you know when we went and invaded uh, not uh, what was the war Desert Storm Desert Storm Norman Schwarzkopf this great big tough general and she's interviewing him and he got a tear in his eye over some aspect of maybe losing some of the men I can't remember the exact point and she stopped him and actually said I notice a tear in your eye so what do you think you're the big tough general Norman Schwarzkopf and you know here you have tears in your eyes over this issue and i'll never forget him sitting there saying something like and you'd have to go back and listen to it folks but like he said something like i fear a man who can't cry i this is like <laughs> and this is this great big dude tough dude right like well exactly yep. exactly uh but he knows his strength that's been given by god you know a, a right. strength that's been given by god and that's another ash, aspect we'll get probably more to application sam but i, w- I was thinking about this the other day like there are these really serious differences between men and women. And again, in a culture that's trying to get rid of that, it's strange to me because I just don't think like, like, like I don't, you know, I have a wife and four daughters and I can only understand so much of the mind of the woman. I, I mean, I don't mean that like in a pejorative negative way. It's just like, sometimes right. I, like, I, I don't get it. And I, I mean, yep. I've been with these women for my wife for 37 years. I, you know, raised these daughters, their early thirties now learning to be gentle and listen and try to work on that. And I'm this big demonstrative outdoorsy rough and tumble guy, you know, Yep. you know, you, it's it just, you got to work at all that. The, the point I'm trying to say though, is that while I can't fully know the mind of a woman, I can't, there is differences. There's just really differences. A woman can't know my mind either. And I was thinking about what you were just talking about strength. Because I was thinking of this example the other day. I had a friend. He actually passed away a number of years ago. Uh, it was a really cool story in my 30s how I saw this guy become a friend of him, and he came to know the Lord. But he died in his late 40s. Uh, uh, he actually had MS and some other complications. But one of his, uh, amongst other things he did, one of his, his skill sets and that he did for part of a business as well as a skill set is he was a self-defense guy. 
you know, it's kind of more popular now. You see it on YouTube and all these things, people learning to fight. And there's yep. even gyms you go do all this stuff. Well, he was doing this stuff before that was even available, you know. So huh. he would be hired by police departments to come in and teach self-defense. He was a black belt, you know. And, yep. and uh, uh, But I mean like the real deal. He didn't get a black belt at some cool hip club like if you if you asked him at his black belt, he'd look at his belt and go, "No, it's brown today." You know. <laughs> I mean, he was just a, a really strong, tough dude. But I mean, he wasn't a monster size of a guy. But here's my point: is that he would go like to police departments. He told me this, and he would try to help, especially women, understand um, how powerful a man really is in general. Yeah. Okay. And so he would have. A, he told me he would have like a police officer, a young woman police officer, come forward, and she. You know, had went to one of these gyms, learned some self-defense. Apparently, you know, he even said she had a black belt. And he would stand on the stage at this training for the police and say, okay, I want you to do anything, a, a punch, a kick, whatever you want, as hard as you can right here in my gut. Yep. And he said, I wasn't trying to be nasty, but she would just haul off and, you know, do the unbelievable kick or punch or whatever. And he said, and I smile. <laughs> she, she hasn't put a dent in me. Right. And his point was not trying to prove her insufficient, but like, I'm just a sober man standing here and it, all I got to do is tighten my gut up and you really aren't going to hurt me as hard as you think you can hit me. Right. Yeah, just you 130 pound woman, you're in great shape. You've learned, you know, what we call CrossFits now. You've learned how to punch and kick. You're not going to stop a 200 pound man. No. And not I, even and no, th and this was not without point. a weapon. Right. Then you take then you take that that you know, his point was then you take a man that's strung out on drugs, completely enraged, completely out of control. You're not it's you're not gonna stop him with some hold. It's not gonna no. it's not gonna happen. And so no. I'm not trying to labor that or go down a rabbit hole in this discussion, but we're talking about this strength. There is this man that has these character qualities of strength. And in a lot of cases, it's even embodied him in a masculine man way. He, men are strong. And there's yeah. characteristics here that are supposed to come to the surface in being an overseer. Right. And obviously here, the emphasis isn't on muscle strength that we're talking about, but it's on this right. character of this person, this character of this man. Right. 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 And it should look like strength. Yes. That's all oh, absolutely. I'm trying to get at. So. Yeah. Yep. So, oh man, <laughs> God, I just want to jump to application so bad because yeah, well, just a quick note: you have all these movies nowadays where the women are the the, the super, <laughs> like you did, said, Dan, the superheroes. The women are the the heroes. The women are these super spies, and they fight these men, and they just kick them their butts, and they can punch them, and they just like the men spin around and fly five feet backwards, and they just get whooped up by by these women, and you just. It's just like that is so fake. It's so not real. It's not real. And if and if you have a society that actually thinks that's legitimate, and that men and women can fight, and that they can contend like that together, and that women can actually maybe win in a physical battle against a man, it's like if you actually apply that to society, that's that's horrible. You don't understand. Like people don't understand. Yeah, that's sort of you apply that to society, and women are are going to die. Well, that's sort of what my friend John was trying to help them understand. I know that you've been trained in self-defense and you learned it in some kind of a, you know, judo class or something in some kind of controlled setting. But when it really comes down to it, it's just not reality. Right. 
and 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 again, if we step back, if we step back and, and kind of get away from the cultural fog right now, God did create it this way. Yeah. <laughs> he did. Yeah. He really yeah. did. For a purpose. Right. Protection, care, overseeing. Uh there's something about that that's very important. Right. So Absolutely. So Here's an interesting thing. He must manage his own household well, mm-hmm. with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. So again, again, another submissive word here. Like there's order here. There's authority. There's there's, <laughs> uh, you there's read, hierarchy. In when a you sense. Re- read that, you're reading the ESV on that. Sam? Yeah. What what does yours say? What does NAS, NASB, NASB say? Keeping his children under control with all dignity. Yeah. Yeah. So when you say submissiveness, it's the idea of control. It's discipline in the best sense. Yep. His parent, yep, his kids order. Res- yep, order. His kids respect him. It doesn't mean they aren't little sinners that disobey because they are. Yep. Uh, right. They can, you know, you get to a teenager, and you know, I mean, I've had each of my kids on their journeys, and you know, there's, uh, yeah, it's just with dignity and control, and somebody could look at that and say, you you do well in keeping your family uh, moving in line in discipline. Right. 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 Because you can't force a sinner, a little sinner kid. That turns 14, 15, 16, you have kids that do things uh, on their own volition. And and the question is, is what, how are you responding to that as a, as a parent? Yeah. You know, what's it look like for you to try to correct, right. correct that and discipline that? And right. Again, that would be right. Right. Okay. And, dis- and discipline is a huge thing here. Like, yeah, you have you have lots of places in Scripture. You know, do not spare the rod. Your son won't die. You'll you'll save him from a bunch of trouble in the future. Like discipline, it goes is is so important for yeah. a child. Yeah. And you see in Hebrews, like, like God disciplines you, and it's for your good. It's it's good that you be disciplined. Yeah. It, it actually produces good. And a child that goes without discipline will only go into adulthood with with a lot not going their way, in a sense. Yeah. Well, and like, you, you know, we talked about that on a, uh, another podcast, Sam. On I think, I think we talked about it in light of coveting and some other things, and honor, oh. honoring parents and all that sort of thing. See, what I would yeah. I would say behind the sparing the rod to discipline issue, there's something behind that, and it's teaching a child respect. It's the yeah. honor, honoring parents. Yep. You know, it's this great command that yep. comes with this promise: all will go well with you, because yeah. because. When, when a child looks at an overseer, a, a, a parent, particularly a dad, uh, that view of respect, honor, obedience will then be carried over into their journey, their own private journey, if you want to say it that way, with the Lord. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like, they, have to, like they honor and respect you, they're going to have to honor and respect the Lord supremely. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. it's that yep. vision of looking up to respect and honor. Yep. And I find that I just again we could have a whole discussion about that, but there's something about the child looking up. In fact, I even saw some stuff on that on raising of children, and maybe it's been changed now in in our current Western psychological movement. Somehow the the parent gets down on the same playing field as the child, kneels kneels down and looks them in the eye, and they found that that's 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 not helpful. The child needs to look. I know as simple as a posture, the child needs to yeah. look, the child literally needs to look up. Yeah. Because it puts them in their place, a proper place. Not right. not again, not squashing them, 
we have a whole right. discussion again. It, it's not about squashing them. It's helping them understand their place. Right. So they need to honor and respect a parent, particularly a dad. Right. Because that's for their own good. Yeah. It's because someday they're going to have to honor and respect an employer, uh, a coach, a boss, a teacher, and ultimately God. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's what you're teaching them. You're teaching them respect and honor. But that also means in all this character quality that I am somebody who is displaying some characteristics in my life, I would even say worthy of respect and honor. Mm -hmm. Right? Not that, not that I have to earn that because I'm given it by God, but there is a sense in which I need to step into that. Right. Right? So, so anyway, exactly. there's, there's that sense here he's saying, must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control or submissive with all dignity. See, there's yep. a sense in which everything has its proper order in place, and people could look at you and say, "Oh, you're you're teaching your children this, mm -hmm. right?" And and it should be mm -hmm. people should be able to see that, right? So and listen, listen to this, like li listen to why this is a, a characteristic or yeah. a qualification. Verse five: For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, yep. if he can't even keep his his kids under control, right? Is however many he has one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Maybe he has ten of them. If he can't keep his own household under control, his own kids under control, and submissive, how is he to care for God's church? Hmm. It's a serious question. Paul asks. Yeah. Here's the deal, Timothy. When you're looking to appoint elders now and find, and you're looking to find these men that can lead the church, look at the family. Look how he, he manages his family. Look how. Look at his relationship with his wife and his relationship with his kids and look, look at his household. The family is the most basic God-ordained institution. Yeah. The family was before the fall. The family lasted after the fall. The family <laughs> is so important. So important. That's good, Sam. You know, it, I, it's, it, it, well, you know, I find it interesting while we're talking about the qualifications for the church. Um, I have a couple different friends who have um, uh, their career path, they were so skilled and gifted, took them into the judiciary as, as uh, potential judges. Okay, one, one of them became a judge, a couple of different levels, another one's looking to be a judge. And it's interesting in both those ca cases, because I've known these men, um, I was put on their referral list, reference list, you know? And it's yep. interesting, uh, it's like the uh, Bureau of Investigation of a particular state uh, that does the investigation of these guys. And I found it interesting that in the, in those investigations, when I've been called and they've asked me questions, they have all sorts of questions about their kids. They want to know about their relationship with their kids and how their kids behave and what are their kids involved in. And, you know, it's really interesting. Even that level, they want to know that these, these people, these guys who are judges, um, they want to know about their family. Yeah. I thought it's, it's, it's rather interesting, really. So, Right. Because there's a yeah, this there, this well, transcends just the, the ecclesiastical. Yeah. You know, well, I'm saying, but there's a reflection, right? There's a reflection. Right. And again, you can't control all of that. There's no way anybody can. We, we all have had, you know, again, individual kids that become young adults and they make decisions and sometimes they make bad decisions and, and you know, there's a, you know, we're all, we all have to deal with that. I don't know anybody that doesn't have some difficulties and somewhere in their families or with kids sooner or later or grandkids. 
Um, but what's the pattern? What, what can you see in this person? How do they handle that? All that stuff. Right. 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 So, exactly. So it doesn't mean you've taken your kids and put them under your thumb and you've crushed them. No, not at all. <laughs> and they come in like a bunch of little ducklings crushed, you know. Uh, no. That's, that's not the point. Right. But it's been managed well. It actually says that. Yeah. It's yeah, been managed well. Exactly. He took care of it. He managed it. Manage. Man, right. Manage means you're working with it. It's the art yep. of, yep. Here, here's the rules, here's the guidelines, but I have to work in a sense of an art of putting this yep. together and managing this, right? Right, and making it operate yep. smoothly, efficiently, according to its design. Yeah, there you go. For the glory of God. Yep. like So... That's the amazing thing here. The, 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 this, this, this family unit, this family institution is, is, is in a sense, the church is very much in the same grain as this. Like the family, yeah. the church is made up of a bunch of families. And then they all come together as the one family of God, the one people of God in the church. Yeah. And so the way in which the church is structured is, is, is modeled off of how the family is structured. And so your local church is only going to be as strong as your families that comprise this local church. That's a great point. Yeah. Really, if, if you have a local church where your families are just all a bunch of dysfunction, you know, whatever, like a lot of divorce and a lot of, of, of uh, single parents and kids without parents and all this messy stuff, like, like it, it, that doesn't mean that God can't redeem this and reconcile relationships and and, and and still bring order out of chaos, but there is this reality that, like, this local church is a is a larger, it's a larger operation of of what the the family is is and well, how it's, it's operates. So well, it's an organism, right? It's not yeah, just it's an organization. organization. It's exactly, an, it's an organism, and it's a living organism. And the family units would be, you know, the parts or the cells or however you want to think about it, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. And they, and they have to be healthy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So. This reality, too, is like the man in the very beginning in the garden, he was the head of the family. He was the head of the, his wife, and obviously he was the head of the children. Mm-hmm. He was the authority in the family unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was to lead. And I, obviously, as we see in, in Ephesians 5, this is to model Christ's relationship with the church. He is to die, lay down his life for his, his wife and his family. Um, and it's an amazing thing. It's a beautiful thing. And his kids and his wife are to submit to him as the head. And... And it's it's a wonderful, wonderful thing, and it creates human flourishing. And just as that is true in the family, it's true in the church of God. The man is also the head of the church, um, as an under shepherd of the ultimate head, who is Christ. And and that's again the the man who is operating as the elder or the overseer is accountable to the chief shepherd, who is Christ. That's why you see James three one. Not many of you brothers should be teachers because he is held, the one who teaches is held at a higher standard. He's going to have to give an account to Christ, to God, for how he shepherds the flock of God. Yeah, well. Likewise, a husband's going to have to give account to how he shepherds his family. Yeah, very good. Like, it's it's not without, like, women, this is the fun, this is the crazy, Piper says, he says, you know, Women, they women want their, you know, they want to, they want this progress. They women want to be the 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 elders and the pastors, and the women want to be the heads of the household. They want to also be leaders. They want to also be in charge. They want to also have authority. And and all this progressive liberal, you know, ideology plaguing the church. And Piper goes, you don't understand. 
You wouldn't you don't you do not want this role. You should never choose this role. You should not desire this. God has bestowed, you could say, this role on man. Has has made man for this role and he has to step into it because it's his responsibility. God has made him for this. But but with, you know, it's, it's <laughs> any of you who know Spider-Man, uh, uh Spider-Man's uncle uh, says, you know, comes great power comes great responsibility this reality of hey yeah the man has been given this 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 role of being the head or the authority but he is now responsible and he is held at a higher standard and it's really a terrifying thing when you are found to be irresponsible and found to be an unfaithful steward of what God has given you as a man and you will be judged at a higher standard and that's why God calls Adam's name in the garden not Eve's. Eve was deceived, gave the, f- the fruit to Adam. He ate. They both fell into sin. But God doesn't call Eve's name. He doesn't call both of their names. Adam and Eve, come here. He doesn't call Eve. He, he calls Adam. Yeah. And I think you're saying something else too, Sam, that we're talking about. So I hope it doesn't get missed, you know, where you're talking about physical strength. And I, I was just trying to use that as an example of something. But I like I like this imagery that's kind of, emerging here and that is like okay so god had this plan for a man male a male a man think of it as a a, as not just a sphere but think of it as like a pattern a form Mm -hmm. uh like a a mold let's call it a mold and when a man's because of our fallen depraved nature particularly we could say just even immaturity before the fallenness but because particularly because of our fallenness um we will come up short in fitting that mold. We will come up short in becoming what we're supposed to become mm. in our fallenness, in our depravity, and certainly even just potential immaturity. But what God does is he has specifically made us. There's stuff wired in us. That's sort of what I was trying to say earlier about yeah. the physical strength. There's stuff wired in me that I don't even understand is in me. Right. And when I step into the role that God has for me, um, and I begin to, to operate there the way God tells me to, I'm sanctified. That means I'm made more holy. I'm made more into what God intended me to be mm. because the stuff, the ingredients are in me. Yeah. And then it takes this pressure, this, this life that I've been called to, that when I step into it, that stuff comes to the surface. It begins to flourish. It begins to mature. It begins to blossom. You could say it that way too. And yeah. then, and I increasingly fit the form for which God created me. Mm. Does that make sense? And so, oh, it makes sense. Is that imagery coming through? I hope I'm exp- saying that right. Yeah. So it's it's this whole you know it's the saying step up, step up to the plate. Yeah, and and then I get pressed. The pressure comes on yep. me. But here's yep. the thing. Based again, I don't really know. It could be just human immaturity, but certainly depravity. Um, I will shy away from that. Right. That's where we get this. This I will shy away from pitfall it. of man of, of passivity. Yeah. yeah, exactly passivity. So, so you know, it, man presses. God presses this. He pushes you into something. Um, you know, I, I I think actually there's lots of examples coming to my mind, but we can pass that for now until we get to application but the point being yeah. is just that i as a man as a male have been created a certain way just like a woman 
as a female has been created a certain way. And there's certain characteristics that God has uniquely wired in me as a male and as a man that, if you will, do not get sanctified, do not grow, do not come to fruition, do not become what they're supposed to be apart from participating with God in the place that he's told me to participate and become what I'm supposed mm -hmm. to be, right? And so when mm -hmm. I step into that, and this is what mm -hmm. we're saying, and that's why when a woman steps into that same thing, that she's stepping into the wrong mold. Right. And, and likewise, a man stepping into the wrong mold, and he'll never become a man. He'll never become what he's supposed to be if he doesn't. No. And, and in, in large measure, I sort of, I think you hear what I'm saying. I almost have to be forced into it. This right. is where suffering comes in and trial comes in. And I have to, right. I have to step into it to your point that uh, apparently Pastor right. John Piper was saying is that it's a lot tougher than people think because it's, I don't right. even want it, right? A guy would, right. a guy would very much want a big group of concubines and not have to be devoted to one woman for a lifetime uh, if he could right, right. have his selfish way. It's terrible, but give him his and give him his his you know his hobbies, and he can just go do what he wants to do and be selfish. Yeah, I mean that's a guy will go there in his sinfulness. Right. This is the craziness. He will. I'm not trying to make that right. light or gross to anybody, but like he would. He would. And what and what will the woman do in her sinfulness of Genesis three? Seek to take control. Yeah. And, and that's what we see, the consequence. Woman, woman will desire to rule over her husband. Yeah, and it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. It, it doesn't. doesn't work. And this is the whole thing. When, when the family breaks down, yeah. the, most, the most foundational institution God has ordained and designed, the family unit. Yeah. When that breaks down, society breaks down. Yeah. Because every, everything societal, everything, every other institution in the world is built on fa family. Everything is. Mm-hmm. The churches, the state is. Right. Everything is built on family. And so that's why when we talk about why this is such a big deal today, you have organizations like Black Lives Matter that explicitly state that their one of their goals is to break down the nuclear family, to disrupt it, to destroy it. And if I've ever heard anything more satanic in my life, like I haven't heard anything more satanic in my life, in my life, that is pure Satan. Let's pure, like, the kingdom of Satan. That is that, without a doubt. Because yeah. the family is God's, like, most foundational design mm -hmm. for how we as human beings yeah. are supposed to operate. Well, and when you have an organization coming out and says, we seek to disrupt that and to destroy that, that's Satan speaking. Well, sure. Well, that and that's what all these things are, is counterfeits. Oh, man. Counterfeit marriage. Counterfeit oh, marriages. Just, yeah, you get fired up. So, oh, I get fired up because all these Christians that just follow right in line. Oh yeah, oh yeah, this is great. This is great. What are you doing? Yeah, right. So here's oh, here's the nice. interesting thing where you where we kind of went with this podcast, and again, not because we have notes in front of us, just kind of where it's went. Is you're talking yeah. about the family unit. You're talking about a husband and a wife and a family and a dad and and this role and that mom men, and children. Yep, yeah. and, and this and this role men are to play. And back to First Timothy three, what this is saying is that that picture of what a husband, a father, a man in his home is to be. This man that's to oversee the church is to be an example, exemplary of that. Yes. He is to be a exactly. mature man who's, again, in process. He's growing. He's a repentant faith right. like we all are. But you could right. look at this man and say he's an example of what this is supposed to be. Yes. 
That's that's really what this is saying. And so right. that's why verse 6 is not a new convert, so that he will not become conceited and fall into condemnation incurred by the devil. That is puffing up his pride. Aren't you really something? You're being yep. called to leave. No, 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 no. And and that's an interesting conversation to me, too, that we'll get to more when we talk about the widows. Uh, probably not, yep. to, not today as we've went on with tons of time again. But, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm speaking for you, Sam. But seriously, no, really, there's this... There's this, you live life, you live life and you demonstrate within the context that you're living in these characteristics and people watch that over time, okay? Right. And the community can watch that over time, at least a certain period of time. And you see, this is real. This is fruit of this, in this case, this man's life, or we'll get to the widows. Fruit of these women's lives. A woman that walks yep. with God, there should be some indi indication that she's walked with God. And so right. has to do with her family and what life looks like and her characteristic. We'll see the same thing when we get to the widows. But there should yep. be this characteristics, right? So all I'm trying to say is, in some cases, this is what historically, biblically, you go into the Jewish world and then, you know, certainly into the whole churched world is what wisdom was all about. W right. Wisdom wasn't just gray hair. Wisdom was gray hair representing something. And that means that over a long period of time, you've had a, an obedience in the right direction. You've had a, uh, a longevity of learning, of growing. And now, right. now, because of that, if you could call it wisdom, know-how, living life a certain way, not only is it on display for people, but you have something to say. Mm. You have something to say, and we'll get to that too. Widows, the older women have something to say to younger women. Mm. And we're not mm -hmm. there yet, And I, yeah, but I get fired up about that, to be honest with you, because I, oh, I see that as a huge loss. I see younger women going to books and listening to all the people in the social media world, and I go, well, wait a minute. Why don't you, why don't you go to the older woman in the church? Right. Why don't go? Yep. Why don't you go to your mom and your grandma? Oh, because right. they they messed up. Of course they do. All humans do. But they, maybe they have some wisdom in life to offer you. Hmm. Why are you going to your peers for that information? It's always interesting yeah. to me. I see a lot of that, and I'm like, wait a yeah. minute, wait, wait, wait a minute. So somebody your age or five years older, and you writes a book and says something, and that has more authority than the sixty year old woman who's lived life right. and raised an entire family. I don't know about that. Right. I don't care what the contemporary stream or knowledge is. You might want to go gain some wisdom, and that's what this is saying. <laughs> yes. Like that's and you and you'll get that if we read more of Timothy. It says, "Hey, be careful about correcting an older man." Even it says, "Right, be, be careful, Timothy." Right. Not, not again. We're all sinners. I'm an older man. I know my frailies, failings. I know my screw ups as much as anybody. I don't walk on water. I fully am aware of that. But I've lived life. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I just want to go, guys, I've lived life, and maybe I have some insight. Take it for what it's worth. Throw it out if you want. But you know what? I've seen this before. <laughs> I've only yep. seen this 20 times. You haven't seen it yet. <laughs> yep. And it might not make much sense now, but this is how that usually plays itself out. Yep. It's crazy. It, it, you see it. You really do see stuff. And you're like, yep, I've seen this before. Been there, done that. Mm-hmm. So, yes, that, I mean... Yeah, we we're always long-winded, so I keep thinking we're going to get to something that we're not. We're already an hour and fifteen minutes into it, and we've well, only gone. Well, we this. could we could pull this together, Sam. It says it says clearly, new convert, verse six, will not become conceited, fall into condemnation, curbed yep. by the devil. Pretty straightforward. Seven, and he must uh, have a good reputation again with yep. those 
outside the church even, so that he yep. would not fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So people on the outside should say, yeah, I've dealt with in business with this guy and he's been fair. Yep. And again, you can't always control all of that. There's a, It's a messy world. But for the most part, even on the people outside, does this guy have a good character and reputation? Right. And that's the kind of guy you want as an overseer. Right. And notice we keep saying a guy. Yep, it's a guy. It's a guy. It's a man. Yep. It's a male. Look at yep. all these look at all these masculine pronouns. He <laughs> Yep. Everywhere. Uh-huh. <laughs> so and that's the thing, like as well this is a kind of a conclusion to this episode, because we'll stop it after this and we'll start back up with a different episode, the next one on the widow stuff and Titus two women type stuff. But this reality, again, back to this pattern that we've been talking about and we've been trying to show you throughout all of Scripture. It's just it's just, just getting clearer and clearer and clearer and clearer. You have the family unit. Man is the head of the family unit, the authority in the family. You have this 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 nation of Israel. And you have you have him the you have the patriarchs, you have Abraham, you have Isaac, you have Jacob, you have these men that are leading. You have the the, the twelve sons of Jacob who become the twelve, you know, tribes of Israel. You have the God raising up the, the, the priesthood and 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 the monarchy, and they're both men. So there's this leadership in the nation of Israel, and it's and the leadership is male leadership. Then now you have the, the institution of the church, the body of Christ, who he is the head of this body of the Christ, but then he puts places uh, under shepherds to lead and to shepherd this his body and his church and their male and so this pattern is completely consistent all the way through very 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 consistent and it's because god designed a male a certain way and he designed them to be a leader to be the authority to be the head and he designed a woman a certain way and and all the way through no matter where you're at in time where you're at in history this is how it should operate this is how God has designed us. This is how he made this machinery. <laughs> and it's to work this way. And when it, and when you decide not to use it this way, there's going to be destruction. There's going to be division. There's going to be deception. There's going to be chaos. There's going to be um, sin. And when you look at the church, like this, and again, to this point, some people might say, yep, I get it. I see that in the church, you know, Men are supposed to be the leaders, but you know, in my own little, my own family, we we operate a different way. It's like no, it's not how it works. All of this is to be consistent. The, the how the church is is structured should be how the family is structured, because the church is structured off of the family. <laughs> so there should be no inconsistency. There should be no inconsistency. It should be all consistent in every sphere of life, and that obviously lends itself to some very interesting application points when we get to it with just society in general. How are we to operate as male and female um, as Christians in in a society that's, that doesn't adhere to God's law and God's pattern and God's design? That gets complicated, and we're going to try to flesh that out a little bit as best we can because it is very complicated. But at the end of the day, man, this is clear. And I, I want to say again because I... I I'm really serious about this. If you're in a church where where this is reversed, where you have women leading the church, that's you're you're you're. I I don't know how to overstress the danger of the of the church that you're in. Like very dangerous, very 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 dangerous. I can't overstate it. Get out of there. 
This isn't something that you just, oh, well, I'll stay here and see if it gets better. No. If you have women leading your congregation, run. Run. <laughs> run. <laughs> like, oh, oh. And you have whole denominations that, that love it because they love how we are progressing, as Dan has been saying. We have progress. Women are now our leaders. No. God judged the nation of Israel because because women became leaders. You can see it in Isaiah. You can see it in the book of Amos. In the book of Amos, why was injustice spreading? Because men stopped being men and women became leaders. And, and then... What was the product of that? The product was that the weak, the poor, the widowed, the children became, uh, they, 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 horrible things happened to them. And we would call that injustice. Injustice flourishes when the roles of man and women are done away with. And so we have a society today that is just beating the drum of injustice and justice. We need to see justice. We need to see justice. Well, you're never going to see it in a society that doesn't think that there's something unique about how a man and how a woman is supposed to operate. And so if we want justice to, to come into our land, we need to reclaim a true masculinity. We need to reclaim a true femininity. Men need to be men. Women need to be women. And before that happens and before the family is, is rebuilt, then you can kind of kiss uh, this justice that everybody wants in society goodbye. But that's a little bit of a soapbox. <laughs> but, man, this is – wow. Here we go. Still moving forward. A lot of episodes. A lot to say on this. A lot of, a lot of scripture on this. That's the amazing thing. Like, man, the fact that we've had so many episodes and so many hours of talking about this – you know, it, it lends itself to the fact that, hey, Scripture has a lot to say about this. Yeah. You know, if we only had one or two episodes on this because there's just not much Scripture on it, well, that'd be one thing, but it's not the case. Not the case. Do you have any c concluding remarks, Dan, or, or are you, uh, no, no, you good? I, no, I'm good. <laughs> I think I've already included probably more than I needed to for this episode, so... <laughs> Well, I, this was a fun one. I really enjoyed this one. Yeah. So thanks again for listening. Um, again, if you've enjoyed this uh, this podcast or you're encouraged by it or you're, you're learning, uh, I really would encourage you to share it with friends, share it with family. Um, and, and yeah, we want, we want people to listen. So if you would be so kind to leave a rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever you listen to it on, helps with discoverability. But uh, hopefully uh, you'll tune into the next episode as we continue in the pastoral epistles. So thanks again for listening. Have a good day. Bye.